Now, don't give me that pouty look of yours. You can eat your carrots when you get home. That's it? You don't have anything else to say to me today? What would you like me to say, Sam? Come on now, honey. You're going to miss the bus. Have a good day. I can't believe this. They fucking forgot my birthday. And welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin. I've got my brother Travis with me as always, and this is our second installment of our Hughes Tunes. Hughes Tunes? Last week we did (laughs) Hughes Tunes. Oh, Hughes Tunes. John Hughes tunes. Mr. John Hughes and his tunage. Uh, last week we played a bunch of music from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That was a blast, dude. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons that we had such a blast is because of how much we love that movie and how like important that movie was to us when we were growing up. Really, it really was. The reason I say that is because, Q, this, this is not going to be the case for this episode, but we're going to do it anyway. We're going to do it anyways. Um we're going to cover 16 candles. And uh, should we do a little PSA for, for people that maybe haven't seen the movie well, or right, let's just, maybe let's not, someone who hasn't seen it in a while? Let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, here, here's, here's the deal, Q. If you saw that movie in the 80s, if you saw that movie in the 90s, you're going to have a different experience of that movie than if you watched it last week for the first time. Like you and I did. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think I've ever seen it. I've seen Pretty in Pink. I've seen Breakfast Club. Yeah, same. I, I was realizing that maybe like probably after the the opening scene. Right. I'm like, oh, okay. I definitely haven't seen this movie. But let's just say that in the year 2020, Q, watching this movie, you know, it falls into a lot of the same traps. I don't even want to call it a trap. Well, let's call it a trope. An 80s, 80s tropes. Trope. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of cringe. Let's just put it that way. There's a lot Dude, of cringe. In so every, much it, cringe. Like, it ticks all the boxes. Hey, you want some racism? Some some not even thinly veiled, like stereotyped Asian character. I think his name was like Long Duck Dong or something like that. And every time he popped up in a scene, there would be a gong sound yeah, effect just right. as part of the scene. Now Q, you and I, we grew up with family guy. That's the same type of family guy humor that we that we died laughing at, you know, when we were teenagers. So yeah, it's the same kind of yeah. thing. But like You're I right. think even worse, Q, is all the I'm not just gonna say hashtag me too stuff that we saw all throughout the like I was telling you, like this could be they could play this movie in like a here's here's uh or do you wanna get me too'd? You want to get hashtag me too? Do anything that you see the male characters doing in this film, yeah, uh, and you're going to get me too. And then you well, know, and that's the thing, dude. You got to like, I mean, you got to think about it. Like that was just totally acceptable. That was part of the culture in right. the '80s, man. and especially if you're if you're imagine being a high school kid or middle school kid boy, and you watch that movie. Of course, you're going to think that's totally acceptable, yeah, behavior. And yeah. to your point, it 
it was quote unquote acceptable back then because well, that's just how it was for for women back then. The fact that John Hughes wrote this script and it made it onto the screen right. shows how acceptable it was. Right. Dude. Now, here's the thing. He wrote for National Lampoon prior to being a director. Animal House came out before this, dude. And yeah, you want to talk about some horrible moments in that movie too, man? Yeah, of course. I mean, we're not going to get into all that. We, yeah, I mean, it's right. not... That, we're we, not didn't, condi- we didn't want to... We're not condemning the movie. We're not condemning John Hughes. This is just... The, the decade it reflects the decade that it, it came out in. yeah let's just put it this way as terrible as a lot of the shit that these main characters do that the dudes in this movie they're written to be liked you know like their characters are the ones you're rooting for in this movie yeah so that's like what more there is there to say like that's just like i said that's just part of how how it was in the 80s and it was just acceptable and it was actually all written in as humor in the movie a lot of yeah we're we're trying not to say the word rape but there's there's pretty much yeah i mean it's strongly tied to like the the rape, rape culture. culture yeah definitely yeah yeah and so, dude, yeah, like that's all we're gonna yeah, say yeah, about yeah. It, let dude. me just say one more thing if you haven't if you haven't turned us off yet if you're still listening yeah. um good on you you know you're not a fucking well never mind <laughs> hey, dude, hey you know what if if you if you turned it off if you stopped listening to us already, then I don't want you listening to our podcast anyways. Okay, Q. So, yeah. Um, we are not as familiar with this film because we literally saw it for the first time last week. I watched it this morning, dude. Yeah, you watched it today. So <laughs> I watched it today. Um, and, I, dude, it was funny because, I mean, like, with each scene, I was I was texting you like, are you fucking kidding me with this cringe bullshit? Yeah. Like, I just couldn't believe it, man. There's a lot of cringe. But it, let's all right, p- put aside the cringe. It's... You know, it's a fun movie. There's lots of there's funny parts in it. Yeah, I like the dialogue between, but I, I like the the main character's dialogue. What's her name again? Her, her name. Her is name is Sam- Molly Ringwald. Samantha, <laughs> Samantha Baker. Yeah, yeah Samantha Molly Baker. Molly Ringwald. Ringwald. Uh, I like her her dialogue. Um, I think she was written well. I like Michael Anthony Hall. He's he's a funny little kid. And there's a super young John Cusack, and he's hilarious. That's true. In it. And his sister too. His sister's always she always tags along. Were they a package man. deal? Did they just like come together? Because they're <laughs> in so many movies together, especially back yeah, then. Yeah, they really are. Do you think the agent was just like, "Hey, you want John? You got to get Joan too." Yeah. And the director's <laughs> just like, "Okay, fine. I guess we'll put Joan in." But anyway, um, yeah, Michael Anthony Hall, Molly Ringwald, the Cusacks. There's a, there's a ton of other actors that show up that if you if you're a fan of John Hughes films like you recognize them as like bit characters and in other films you know it's kind of fun John Hughes definitely yeah. had his go to actors right and I think this was Molly Ringwald's first appearance in a film for him yeah she obviously comes back for Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink but uh, anyway so and I also want to say like for this for the rest of this episode. Let's just focus on the music. I don't even want to go into the the plot. Yeah. Anything. We're not going to do like we what we did with Ferris where every song had a little bit of a, a, a bit of the scene. Yeah. You know, tied in. So we're not going to do any of that. Well, let's just put it this way. That little intro clip that we had, that is basically the, the movie, the gist of the movie. Her family, you know, it's her 16th birthday. Her family forgets her birthday. She's having a shitty day. She can't get the guy that she wants to get with. Yeah, she finally gets with him at the end. They kiss over a birthday cake, and that's the end of the movie. That's basically all you need to know. And then you know, there's a lot of other shenanigans, uh, a lot of other classic '80s shenanigans. Yes, that's all you need to know. But yeah, yeah, we'll maybe describe the scene that the music that we're 
playing or at least the band that we're talking about uh yeah. appears in just in case you're wondering yeah but yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna go into it as much as we did ferris bueller just because we just don't have that much of a connection to this film I and mean, that's basically it but yeah when i talk about a great soundtrack there's like 30 songs that appear in this movie i'm, I'm reading an article about it here that you had i'm just going to name off a few of them thompson twins billy idol david bowie wham right they all make an appearance in this ACDC, ACDC, uh, Night Ranger, Night Ranger. Those are obscure <laughs> too. Like that's the band that the her little kid brother is listening to in his his Walkman or yeah, his tape deck or whatever Walkman. it was. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, you know, at, from what we discussed about John Hughes last week, being that he was a a rock enthusiast and a music musicaholic, much like we fancy ourselves. You know, this was like, I, I, I want to say this was his first, was this his first director, director chair movie? Yeah, his, this is his directorial debut. So yeah, there was all sorts of interesting, like if you're paying attention, Stevie Ray Vaughan shows up when they're in the garage. Oh it's yeah. It's like the, you know, it's like the, what do they call that auto shop? It's like the auto shop garage or whatever. And the the main character, she's sitting in the car and Michael Anthony Hall comes and starts creeping on her. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Steve Ray Vaughan starts playing, which is like a, a fitting like music for a garage scene. But like if I'm a if I'm making my directorial debut and I'm a music freak, I'm also gonna. I'm guessing he obsessed over this music as well, because like yeah, if you're a music lover, you're gonna spend a ton of time figuring out the perfect song for the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, and some of the songs that we're playing today are really in the background of of the scene. I feel like with this movie, it's like you're getting to see the equivalent of John Hughes' iPod if they existed back then, just on shuffle. Because there's such a wide range of music on here, including things like the Dragnet theme song, which he used over and fucking over. In this there's movie. a Frank Sinatra song. Frank Sinatra. There. There's the Godfather's theme song. There's all that kind yeah. of stuff. So you know, what I mean, it, it really is like an eclectic mix of music, but. Also, as this article perfectly uh, puts it, well, I mean, I'm going to read it. It's going to say the word perfectly again. I like to repeat (laughs) myself. The music perfectly captures the new wave zeitgeist at the time and its popularity among the film's gawky, insecure protagonists. But yeah, new wave. That's some of the artists we're going to play are are some new wave artists. And that's what's cool about this. So this film came out in 1984. So, um, cue it's a coming of age comedy starring Molly Ringwald, <laughs> Michael Schufling, and Anthony Michael Hall. Look, this Michael Schufling guy, whatever, the, he, I guess he was the main, he was the, Jake? he was the hunky, hunky boy that she was going after. Yeah. What the hell has he done since then? I don't know, man. I don't recognize that guy at all. He was completely forgettable. That's why he doesn't show up anywhere. Um, I, like, I, that guy had the acting chops of a fucking, of a two by four. That's probably why they put him in there. <laughs> anyway, Michael Anthony Hall steals the movie, in my opinion, because he's he's just he's fucking hilarious. His acting is effortless. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And he was in. He's vacation. one. Of, he's one of those guys. Um, he's one of those actors. Anyway, yeah. All right, let's get into our first pick. So, let, yes. let's just put the. Uh, let's say this one thing real quick because we didn't. We kind of glossed over it. The intro clip that we played featured a song by a band called. Kaju, what is it? It's Kajuju. 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 Oh, Kajuju. Ka- Kajuju. Kajuju. 
Kajagugu. Kajagugu. Uh, do you think they regretted that like later when they're like, why did we name ourselves Kajagugu? This is <laughs> There's so There's probably dumb. a lot of bands that regret their, yeah. their name. But uh, Kajagugu is mostly known for their song Too Shy, which is one of those- Hush, hush. I don't, it's one of those songs that showed up on the um, best of the 80s. You know, call now for your- Which, you know, dude, we were definitely the last generation to, to get to yeah. experience the beauty of those- Fucking those like compilation CD discs, yeah. Compilation sets, yeah. That's true. But I remember Too Shy was on there. It's just one of I those. I will never forget the um, Pure Moods. What was it? Pure Moods, dude? And yeah, dude. man, I I meant to. We we need to do a Pure Moods. I would be uh, totally down to do a Pure Moods episode. Yeah, let's do. Yeah, no, like maybe two or three of them. I mean, I don't know if it deserves three, but we could at least do one. Okay. Where yeah, where we pick three artists, kind of like we're doing with these. Yeah, because that includes Inya. It's got to be at least one good Inya song out there. Oh, yeah. Let's not forget the X-Files score, dude. Dude, I was listening to the X-Files soundtrack yesterday. I'm not even kidding with you. Because I'm I'm actually re-watching the show while I'm working. Yeah. I Dude, I love that music. The guy's name was Mark Snow, the guy that did the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a tangent. But yeah, um, that was a song called, well... <laughs> It was it was it's named after Kajigugu, the band Kajigugu, right? Kajigugu, yeah. yeah. That was off their debut record, White Feathers, came out in 1983. But it was an instrumental track, um, which I thought was a pretty cool track. It sounded like um, it didn't sound like a. Uh, let's just put it this way: I was surprised that there that was the same band that did Too Shy. You know what I mean? I think it's yeah. cool that they were doing kind of instrumental stuff like that too. But anyway, um, all right, let's move along. Let's just get right into it here. We're going to focus on the tunes. Uh, what is our first song cue? So we're going to try to go through as they appear in the movie. Uh, our first song is a single. So we're going to play a couple songs from this artist. The band is called Altered Images. They have a song playing in the background. Oh, this is a pivotal scene cue. Yeah, I guess it is. Huh? This is when she's, I don't know what, I was trying to follow along where this note came from, but it was like a sex Trivia. It's a sex, it's a sex questionnaire quiz, thing. Like handwritten note thing that someone yeah. that sh- that Sam gets and she's like filling out the answers to the questions in class. And the questions are like, have you ever done it? And she answers like, I don't think so. If you had a chance to, would you? Sure, maybe. Something like that. One of the questions is, if you could do it, who would you do it with? That's right. And in parentheses, it's like, don't worry, this is totally anonymous. Your name's not on the list, yeah, or on this list. So, and she writes in Jake, her crush, and she tries to pass it behind her without looking to her best friend who's sitting behind her, and she drops the note. Her best friend's not paying attention. Note falls on the floor. Guess who picks it up? Jake fucking Ryan. Jake fucking Ryan, dude. But yeah, in the background, and I guess it's just part of the soundtrack. We're not supposed to believe that this song was playing. In the classroom, no. that it was just no, no, no. John Hughes' uh, pick for. Actually, it was "Happy Birthday," right? Yeah, the song's called "Happy Birthday." It is a single. Yeah, so let's play a little bit of that song. The band is called Altered Images. The song is called "Happy Birthday." Happy birthday, happy 
I bet John Hughes is an Altered Images fan, and he was just like, well, this song has the word happy birthday in it, so I'm going to play some, I'm going to put some Altered Images in this movie, you know? Probably. I mean, he was definitely, I think it's fair to say that the only reason this song is in the movie is because it's called Happy Birthday. But yeah, it's probably also likely that he was a fan of the band. So I'm reading something yeah, from And the, it does work pretty well for the, oh yeah, for the It's scene. a playful kind of... It's very, very in the background of that scene too. Yeah, because you're yeah, you're paying attention... The, the audience is paying attention to what she's writing on the paper. You know what I mean? I didn't even yeah. realize there's a song playing when I went back and, and read that this is what was... This is the scene that accompanies. Because like, oh, I didn't even... I don't think it registered that a song was playing. Yeah, he has a lot of these songs really low in the mix. Yeah. But... um. Interesting about this band, Q. So these were classmates who shared an interest in the UK post-punk scene, the the members of Altered Images. And the majority of the band, all of them were members of the Susie and the Banshees fan club. Oh, wow. Now listen to this. They learned that the Banshees were coming to play in Scotland, and they sent a demo tape to Billy Chainsaw, who managed the official Susie fan club, with a note asking... Can we support them on tour? And the Banshees gave the band a support slot on their Kaleidoscope British tour of 1980. Can you imagine That's that shit? That's a fucking dream come true. You're a member of the fan wow. club. I mean, it, it it just tells you how how good that demo tape must have been. But man, <laughs> right. how dope is that? Yeah. So the name of this album is also Happy Birthday. This came out in 1981. And yeah, they're they're from Scotland. This is that new wave punk, you know, all the rage in the 80s. And uh, so we're going to play another song that's not a single. Uh, this one I really liked. It's a, it's a good one. Just more of that new wave goodness. Yeah, dude. I'm a fan of the um, of the musicians. I like, the, I like the singer's voice, too. I think it's unique. It is really unique. I really, like, I really like the band, the backing band. Yeah. All right, so this is actually track two on that record. It is called Love and Kisses.
So yeah, that's the whole song, man. I like it. It's, it's really repetitive, but I like how it it quiets and then swells up throughout the whole song like that. It reminds me of the Stone Roses a little bit, and they didn't come about. And I need to I need to listen to them, man. We'll, I haven't. I still haven't. I still haven't. We'll do an them episode out. on them at some point. But uh, they came along a couple of years later. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a little bit of shoegaze in there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. Even, I mean, I don't know if shoegaze was even a thing yet, was it? Maybe this is proto shoe, proto shoes, shoegazing, late '80s. So this was like precursor to shoegaze. Um, I like to think that John Hughes was into really obscure stuff and like you know pushed bands that were unknown or unheard of, you know, and that was the case for some bands. But apparently, with with, with these guys, they had received quite a bit of success in. 81 when this came out like they were voted um best new group at the nme awards and most promising new act in the 1981 smash hits readers poll so these guys and and happy birthday was their biggest single so this song wasn't necessarily some obscure hidden gem as we like to say that john hughes kind of snuck in there like this one may have been more well known than i may have Thought I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard of the band either. Doesn't mean anything. Um, but anyway, cool song, cool group. Um, yeah, man, new wave greatness, like you said. Yeah, and and you had mentioned, uh, you know, off off the uh, record, <laughs> uh, you know, that it's a really it's a really good way for us to to cram in a lot of '80s artists that we otherwise would never listen to. You know, going through these John Hughes movies. So this yeah, is great. Exactly. So let's move on, dude. Um, the next artist we're going to cover is Nick Hayward. And this is another instance where we're going to play two songs. Um, he has a song that is playing during the high school dance scene. He crams a ton of music in, in that small window of uh, the, the high school dance, right? I mean, yeah, there really perfect is a opportunity. Lot. Yeah, it's just the, it's a classic you know, 80s high school dance scene, you know? Yeah. Lots of stuff happened. Lots of people watching, not dancing. Lots of shenanigans are, are being had. Lots of shenanigans. Uh, so this song stood out to me and I and I made sure to, to dive into it and see who it was because I really like the song that pops up in, in the movie. So let's play uh, this song by Nick Hayward. Uh, this is a song that comes off of his album from 83 called North of a Miracle. Uh, This song is called Whistle Down the Wind.
That just sounds like so many other songs from that decade, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right, dude. This does sound like a lot of that new wave stuff. And, you know, it's kind of hard not to, to come across as a copycat when there's just so much music like this coming out around this time. So that was a song from the actual film, right? What, what's your what's your next pick? Yeah, so I, I, I actually, well, I was going to say I listened to this album all the way through. I didn't. I skipped through it. Um, but you gave it a proper shot. I gave it a, I gave it a shot. And uh, something happens towards the end that kind of threw me off guard. Turns out this is from a remastered version that came out in 2010 that has a few more songs on it um, that were B-sides on, on singles. So um, I just say, dude, I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for, for harmonica. And Ooh, like, okay. this is something that I'm, I'm learning about as I get older. Like, I don't know. I, I wasn't feeling it when I was a kid. But when that's because all we right, heard dude, was blues travelers, and he's an amazing harmonica player, dude. But you're right, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of blues travelers. Uh, but anyway, so this is a song again from Nick Hayward. This song is called "Don't Get Me Wrong." like a totally different band huh you had a little mick jagger swagger in that voice yeah dude um yeah after hearing that song I, that's when i gained a little bit more respect for nick here uh and it's no wonder this this didn't make it in the first release of this album it doesn't fit in at all with the rest of this album yeah the, dude the record label was like let's just toss this aside and let's focus on yeah, your, let's just uh, save this maybe we can throw this on a b-side some other day right. <laughs> the harmonica's not not uh not doing well with the teens right now. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, and that was just dominated by her, by that harmonica, dude. But I love it. Yeah, you didn't hear a harmonica in a, a new wave pop track ever back no, then. So definitely not. Yeah, that's cool. But if you picked up uh, a copy of his single "Blue Hat for a Blue Day" and you flipped over that B side, you're gonna get for a blue smacked day. in the face with some harmonica. Um, all right, so we got a couple more artists to play. Uh, one of them we're gonna we're gonna do is the outro song. Uh, so we're we're gonna play a song from a band called The Divinals. Never heard of them before, uh, but 
if you uh, saw the first Austin Powers movie, and it, that's just because for me, this is when I first heard this song, uh, you know, that I touch myself. Oh, so, yeah. That's the, the vinyls, dude. There you go. And that song's great, man. I love that song. Man, I rewatched the first Austin Powers movie. Doesn't age well either, dude. It, it doesn't, but it still cracks me up, dude. I, Mike Myers is yeah, great in that film. Mike Myers is hilarious. Yeah, you're right. He's hilarious in that. So the Divinals. It's an Australian rock band. They've been around since the 80s, since 1980. Um, and they have a song that pops up. This is still part of the the high school dance scene, but uh, this is playing in the background when Molly, Molly, (laughs) well, it is Molly. When uh, Sam, it runs into Jake while he's grabbing his coat before he leaves. But she's, she's so shy that she doesn't say anything to him and she runs away embarrassed. And this song is playing during that scene. We're going to play two songs from, from the divinals. The first one is called ring me up. So here's what st- stood out to me about this group. The vocalist is so interesting. She has got such a range. Uh, we got to shout out her name here. Chrissy Amphlett. Chrissy Amphlett, dude. Her vocals are amazing. And she has such a range. Yeah, they're really they're really interesting, yeah, dude. Especially in our, in our next pick here. Um, I immediately thought of a particular vocalist, another vocalist. So I want to see if you got the same vibes when we play the next track here. But yeah, I mean, you, you said that this was the song that played during the scene where she kind of runs into him briefly in yes. wherever they were. Yeah, no, he's grabbing his coat because he checked his coat in. He spins around and she's yeah, she, she has her back to him because she was about to say something to him, but she kind of chickened out. Yeah, dude. I mean, and then she just kind of runs away. It was such a quick scene. That to me, mm-hmm. the f- okay. So the fact that John Hughes had a composer for this film, which is the same guy he used for Ferris Bueller, Ira Newborn, mm-hmm. I think to me that just proved like he was cramming songs. He was cramming his favorite bands into every scene he could. You know what I mean? Because yeah. why would you have yeah. a band play during like a thirty-second scene? Right. I and I see why, dude. They're really they're really unique and no, they're really cool and, and different. I really like this next track that we're gonna play, Q, because. What we wanted to do, as we've done, is play another song from the band. 
to give you give you another taste if all you did was hear the background music of this film or if you rushed out to grab the soundtrack so this song dude is a banger as i like to say every once in a while and i feel like it is a timeless track it does not sound like it came out of the 80s it sounds modern i even said that about the um the album art i feel like the album art for this group the name of the album is desperate this is their debut record came out in 1983 like that looks like it could have came it out like early 2000 yeah that's what i'm dude. saying big time now yeah. now let's just be clear dude that's probably because early 2000s bands were emulating 80s new wave stuff maybe but everything about it dude the fucking typography like the hand the, the hand letter mm-hmm. handwritten scripty font like it looks very modern that's what i'm saying like this this record could come out now and that could be the record the, the album art that some indie band puts out right totally anyway um i really liked the song it stood out to me on the album so this song cue is called elsie Name a vocalist that came to mind, Q. I'm thinking Gwen Stefani was a fan mm, of this band. I bet you she was. Yeah. But but that's not who you were thinking of, huh? No, not at all. I'm talking about Getty Lee of Rush. Yeah. Big dude. time, right? You're right. Absolutely. Big time. But yeah, again, when you listen to that first song that we played, the one that was featured in the film, like she has a, a, a lot of range. This band has a lot of range. Right. Well, yeah, and then think about I Touch Myself. Exactly. I don't know when that song came out, but, but yeah, But that dude. song, dude, I love that They're shit. They're all over the place. The bass line is killer in the beginning. That yeah, song, I'm telling you, man, that song, that that holds up compared to some of this other stuff we've heard today. I was really, I really enjoyed that song, if that's not obvious. Um, I like <laughs> that a lot. Yeah. Um, but anyway, 
Yeah. So that's it, dude. That's the songs that we have uh, from the movie. We are going to play, like I said, a- another song uh, as an outro. Um, but yeah, dude, that's our that's our pick for songs from 16 Candles. Yeah, here's the thing, man. Like, there were so... Uh, we We really could do a whole other episode and pick three or four other artists because there are so many songs that appear on this movie. Yeah, and we had two other artists that we were going to play, but we swapped them out for other ones. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of great stuff on this, in this movie. Oingo Boingo showed up, and it was a really cool song called Wild Sex and the Working Class. But since we're, we're talking about weird science next week, obviously we're going to play Oingo Boingo next week, right? Oh, for sure. Um, we have to. But yeah, I mean, like, like we said earlier, David Bowie, Billy Idol, Wham!, the vapors turning Japanese obviously shows up, of course, to accompany dude. the character, <laughs> the the over the top stereotyped Asian character, Long um, Duck Dong. But yeah, we could have whole, done a whole another episode on this, but we're not going to, unfortunately. I think Weird Science will be fun. Another Michael C. Hall it, appearance. Dude, you know, it's funny, like kind of like what John Hughes was saying. He was afraid of, you know, wouldn't. Uh, translate well as a soundtrack like on Ferris Bueller's Day Off because it's just so varied. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about even more random music in this movie. Right. I mean, you don't get a soundtrack like this without a music lover in the director's chair. You know what I mean? Right. You just don't end up with something like this. You end up with freaking uh, Walking on Sunshine. For... Oh, don't remind me that that <laughs> yeah. was almost the reality. Yeah. Um, but no. Yeah. If you want to know what we're talking about, go back and listen to our Ferris Bueller's Day Off episode yes. from last yes. week. Yes. Go back. They dodged a bullet. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Try to think about Ferris Bueller's Day Off and ask yourself, what would be the worst scene to play Walking on Sunshine as the as the backing song? And then go back and listen to our episode and you, you'll find out that the music director of the film, who wasn't John Hughes, obviously, wanted that that song in place of actually that was the original pick. And John Hughes was like, fuck that. Check this badass song out instead. Yeah. Which you can't separate that scene from that song in my opinion. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, as we mentioned earlier, this film doesn't age well. Um, but the humor is still there. There's a lot of cringe. You, You have to laugh through the cringe. Um, but, Let's say it's not not one of his best films. And it's, you know, knowing that it was his first movie behind the director's chair, I'm not surprised that it wasn't wasn't that good. Uh, but Not good, but he pulled it off and it was wildly successful. So Yeah, there you go. That's a good freshman effort. And, you know, he introduced the world to Molly Ringwald. I'm pretty sure this was her, probably her first film, right? Yeah, I think so. Or at least her first big film. Anyway, all right, Q. So next week we're going to do Weird Science. I honestly haven't seen this film, so I'm going to have to look this up again. I haven't seen it either, man. We'll be watching it for the first time this week. A couple of geeks. So obviously you go to your, you know, John John Hughes has his, he's got Michael C. Hall on, Michael Anthony Hall? Not Michael C. Hall. Michael C. Hall is another one, right? Michael Anthony Hall, he's got him on speed dial. He's like, hey, I'm writing, I'm writing another nerd. So naturally, can you just come in and do what you do? Michael C. Hall is Dexter which is a great show until the final season where they fucked everything up. Did you ever watch Dexter? I watched a few episodes. Dude, great show. I'm really bad about finishing shows 
when I start them. Do yourself a favor and skip over the last season if you ever watch it because okay. what they do with his character, basically what they do is they say, hey, fans of Dexter, all your hopes and dreams for this character, nope, we're going to take a piss all over it. Anyway, I get Michael C. Hall and Michael Anthony Hall mixed up. Um, yeah, a couple of nerds. They're in the, they're, you know, they, they, this is what I know about the film. They, they, they create a female in the lab who's a bombshell Q. Yeah. They're, they're basically Frankenstein and they create a lovely lady. A lovely lady that I'm sure they take to the dance. Yeah. Probably nothing like Frankenstein, but Hey, let's watch the movie. We'll find out. We'll find out. (laughs) Yeah. We'll find out. Um, anyway. Yeah. And we'll be bringing tunes from that movie to your earbuds next week. It's time for our What You Heard cue. Yes, sir. And I told you in private that I had a song in mind for this cue that you're going to fucking... Dude, hey, that was private, dude. Well, I'm making it public. (laughs) That you're going to fucking love, dude. All right, I'll let you go first, brother. I shared it with our, our number one listener, Mitchell, earlier today. Well, I shared the record with him. And he agreed, Q, that some of these tracks are bona fide... Head nodders is what he said. <laughs> All right, man, bring it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play. Okay, well, here a little backstory because you know I like to give backstories. Do you remember? I don't I don't recall Q if you played this game as much as I did. But do you remember Tony Hawk's Pro Skater? Are you kidding me, dude? That was, that's the one one of the games that I played more than any other game. Okay, you know they're releasing a remastered version of it for the PS4. Oh, what do you know, Q? What do you think of them playing the last two days? What? Is I it amazing? It. Oh, dude. It's literally remastered yeah. version of one and two. So it's the same levels. Oh, dude. Do you it's get the to... same gameplay. Oh, man. You know what was a lot of fun was was the creating your own course yeah. component of it. I don't I don't like to mess around with that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, back when I was a kid and I had nothing better to do. Yeah, I probably spent hours building parks, but yeah. now I just want to play the game. But yeah, it's great, man. Dude, it is so fun getting that airtime, yes. man. And dude, it 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 transported me right back to that mm-hmm. time, dude. Because mm-hmm. it's the gameplay is the same. Like you, I don't know if you remember. Oh yes, Travis. Trust me, I was playing that right along with you, man. You collect the letters, skate. Yeah, that was one of the goals you had to do. And you have a bunch of other random goals, like find five cafeteria tables and, and grind on them. You know. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get that grind on. Exactly. Totally. Anyway, and the soundtrack was phenomenal. It's almost like. You know my script here. I don't have a script. This is all coming at you live. Can I ask you this? What? Is it the same soundtrack? Same soundtrack. Ooh. But they added some more songs as well. But some, yeah, some of the ones that were in the original games, like, of course, um, Guerrilla Radio was one of the songs, apparently. Um, but a bunch of other new bands. So anyway, um, so that that is the music I've been hearing in the background because... I've been playing the shit out of this game. One of the bands is a band I've never heard of before. They're relatively new. Their their debut record came out in 2018. They are called the Viagra Boys. And uh, this record is called Street Worms. It's actually their only record. They've got some EPs and stuff. Um, but I'm going to play for us here the very first song on the record. And how badass is that cover art? Let me just say that. Oh yeah, dude. Oh man. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking awesome. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna have to play a pretty good portion of the song because there's one part that you have to you gotta hear. Q. Okay. But anyway, 
This song is called Down in the Basement. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's such a a level of like it's kind of like what we talked about with um, the Me Without You lead singer Aaron Weiss. Aaron Weiss. Yeah, man. about how like the 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 emotion is right there. Like, yeah, and it come it comes off one hundred percent whatever the emotion is that he's trying to portray. The singer, like you feel it right because he yeah. He portrays that emotion. Like this song is so interesting. The lyrics are about some guy with a, uh, some kinky sex thing that he's into, and it's literally about his wife catching him in in the act. Basically, there's this, there's a there's a line here, and now you're down in the basement, all dressed up in latex, one red light bulb hanging from the ceiling, and a live goat standing on a small chair in the middle of the room. Now, how are you going to explain that, man? <laughs> Like, how are you going to explain your nasty sex life to your wife? Like, what a weird, what a weird- You can't keep those secrets from your wife, man. Yeah, you can't, but yeah, what a weird, uh, weird subject for a song. But anyway, uh, that's not the song that shows up on Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. Well, I loved it, man. That was great. But uh, if you're curious, the next track, Slow Learner, is what's on on, uh, the video game. And it's also a banger, as they say. But a lot of interesting things on this record. They're bringing the same level of intensity that the Hives 
bring. Yeah. You know? Yep. And I don't know why this came to mind, but I really want Spoon to cover this song. I don't know why. I could just see Britt Daniel pulling this off, like a more Hmm. heavy side of Britt Daniel. I I don't Hmm. know. Hmm. I think his voice kind of fits in with, with that style. We're gonna have to see what Tyler Darling has to think about. Basically, that. I want his, uh, I want Brad Daniel to start writing music like this. Well, you know, we have a direct connection to Brit now, Q. So we can just ask them to do uh, it. It's not direct. I I would say it's direct. We're we're one we're one degree of separation away. We're one Kevin Bacon removed. I mean, I basically I feel like I know Brit. You know, since we're such good friends with Tyler Darling of sure, the sure. Turn My Podcast On. Mr. Spoon himself. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So those guys are a post-punk band from Sweden. Good stuff. Stockholm, to be specific. Mm. So anyway, that was the Viagra Boys. And that was a song called Down in the Basement. All right, Q, what you got for us? All right, man. Uh, so this is an artist that goes by Big Black Delta. This is a solo project um, of a guy named Jonathan Bates. He's also uh, in a band called Melodrone. Ever heard of them? I feel like I have heard of them. Yeah, it's one of those names, yeah. I I, I don't know much about him. I, actually, I don't know anything about him. Uh, yeah, but that name sounds familiar. Anyways, uh, this is a solo project. He's been spitting out albums under big black delta since 2011 um it's kind of hard to describe the music it's very like industrial comes to mind it's uh kind of reminds me of at times that band um the faint you know very uh heavy dancey but at times like very i don't know post-punk it it just it's hard to describe but um he actually just blew up because he has two songs in the soundtrack for the the new Bill and Ted film, Face the Music. Have you watched it? No, I haven't seen me, it yet. Me neither. I'm afraid to. I am honestly. too. I'm worried about it. Uh, but anyways, this is a song from a self-titled album that came out in 2013. This one's pretty mellow, dude. Uh, I think you'll like it. This song is called Love You This Summer.
I like that a lot. I, I was getting some spoon vibes too from that synth, <laughs> that heavy synth. Yeah, I like that really fuzzy like synth, like strings. Yeah, totally something that 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 uh, Brit and the boys would do. I mean, specifically, kill the moonlight spoon. Yeah, totally. You know what else I was getting? Heavy Beck vibes. Yes, me too. Big time. Totally. Um, yeah. So that's a little more on the mellow side. If you listen to more of his stuff, it's pretty heavy. Um, so when you say heavy, like you're saying electronic heavy? Oh, well, let me, let's play a little bit, a little bit okay. more of something for me. Uh, here's a song from the same album. I think this one's heavy. It's, <laughs> it's called Betamax. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. A bit more going on, yeah. You know, a little bit more bold. With I his, guess, same with the, his vocal delivery, too. It's a lot more mellow in Love You This Summer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I guess I, I, have a, I have a different idea of what heavy is. Maybe. Well, that's because I didn't want to go through the entire... I don't remember how all these oh, songs okay. sound, dude. I don't remember which one. But there's some heavy electronic stuff going on, like distorted heavy okay, cool. electronic music cool yeah so again that's an artist that goes by big black delta that song was called love you this summer and that's it man let's wrap this puppy up yes all right so like we said earlier weird science is coming up next week on our hughes tunes um but yeah man uh, i i i don't know why i didn't know that prior to to us digging a little bit that john hughes was such a music fan, but I mean, obviously, it's like so it makes obvious. sense, right? Yeah, yeah it's so obvious. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that just makes makes me uh, appreciate the man that much more, you know? Absolutely. Especially since he, it, it's just so obvious that like that was a priority, like a like at the forefront priority, you know? Yeah. I would do the same thing if I was a director. I would obsess over the song choices to the point of like absurdity. And I'm sure that's what he did. You know, yeah, it would be such a like part of the film that, that it wouldn't work without it. Yeah. And, and, and that's, uh, and that's how he wrote them, the, the movies. I wonder how many scenes as he's writing them out, he already has a song in mind that he thinks would be perfect for it. You know? Well, I have a quote that I'll have to say for the pretty in pink episode, which will come out in two weeks where, um, got something something that plays right into that cue as far as like how he went about directing and and thinking about the music that would accompany a scene so well, all right there you go all right q um so that's that you can check us out on our website 
nofillerpodcast.com. And uh, hey, you can find us on the Pantheon Podcast Network. You can find a ton of other great music podcast content. And uh, you can find them on pantheonpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at nofillerpodcast, where we don't engage too much, but whenever a new episode drops, we post about it. Honestly, Q, we should do a lot better with the with the tweets. But um, well, once once we hang up this or once we turn off these mics, dude, I got I got some ideas. Right. I got some ideas. But yeah, dude, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that we don't like we don't like social media all that much. We're, we're not we're not great at it. We don't know. We're what not we're great doing. at it. Um, I personally don't spend time on Twitter, so I've never been a tweeter, as they as they say, um, as the kids are saying these days. Yeah, I've never been a tweeter ever. Um, so, you know, whatever we're trying, maybe, you know what, we're trying. maybe we should hire an intern Q. As long as they, they're cool with working for free. <sighs> That's what interns do. All of them. Well, not anymore. Those are the good old days when you could get away <laughs> with not paying people anything for a, a day's honest work. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, yeah, find us on the tweeters. That's at no filler podcast. But uh, our website is the go-to place if you want to, if you want to find a, a track listing of all the songs that we played. If you want to find any sources that we cite, I don't think we had any sources today, dude. Maybe one. But anyway, that's nofillerpodcast.com. and I'm just a rambling man right now, Q. So let's wrap it up. Well, I got an outro. I gotta, I gotta. Oh yeah, get us all prepped that's right. for here. So we have another. Uh, uh, another another song here from the film. This was the the party scene, Par- the party scene at Jake's house. Party scene at Jake's house. And Q, I know that you're probably the same way. As a thirty something year old who owns a house now, or you know, has obligations, adult obligations, responsibilities. All I was doing this whole time during the scene was was just looking at all the damage that these these kids. These snot-nosed punks. Dude, I was so upset, too. And I was like, my God, man. Yeah, they absolutely destroyed that house. They destroyed the house, and Jake Ryan's character didn't seem all that much bothered by it, other than just kind of putting his hands on his hips. and and, He didn't seem bothered at all. Like I said earlier, the guy couldn't act his way out of a paper bag. (laughs) But that was him trying to be like, oh, this is upsetting me a little bit. Oh, darn. I, my parents are going to be so upset. <laughs> darn it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, dude, the, the, the amount of destruction is troubling. I mean, if it was a car, it it was it would have been totaled for sure. Totaled. Yeah. Thousands yeah. and thousands of dollars. Um, so yeah, that's all I could think about. But, but here's one thing that I noticed that I really enjoyed. The song that was playing. Uh, and that was a band called The Revelos. And it's, when you look into this band, they used to be called the Resolos. There's a lot of lot of history with this band. I'm not going to go into it, but they are a punk new wave band. Surprise, surprise. And yeah, there's just a, a really fun, a lot more kind of I don't know rockabilly, more more retro sounding. Um, the song that we're going to outro out with is again the song that was playing during the party scene in Sixteen Candles. And that's going to do it for us. The song is called Rev Up, again by the band The Revelos. And yeah, that's going to do it for us today. 
We will shout at y'all next week. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. My name is Quentin. My name is Travis. Y'all take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.